0: Just a couple of notes on the preaching schedule. Uh, I said that I was uh, going to preach uh, one psalm per month. And um, so this is the first of those psalms, and I intend to preach through the book of Luke. But uh, I anticipate on the first Sunday in February that... I'm going to have the joy of preaching Sylvester Pittman's ordination sermon. So, I did not want to start Luke uh, until after that, so I will preach this Sunday, Psalm 42. It's actually one of, uh, it was a psalm that was requested. You'll remember I, I am taking requests if you have a psalm that you would like for me to preach And um, then next week I'm going to preach Psalm 25, Lord willing. Then, Lord willing, Sylvester's ordination sermon. And then we'll start with the uh, Gospel of Luke. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Psalm 42. I pray that uh, as it is a psalm of a downcast soul, uh, for downcast souls... I ask that you would uh, speak uh, to those souls uh, that are before me uh, under the the, um, the voice of my preaching. And I pray that this psalm would minister your grace to their heart and to their soul. We ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I do not typically ask you to write in your Bible, but I'm going to ask you to do yourself a favor and write yourself in the uh, a little note in the front of your Bible. I'd like you to write Psalm 42 for when I am suffering. Psalm 42 was written by a believer with a downcast soul for those times when we have a downcast soul. I think that's the reason Psalm 42 was included in the Bible. And I'm asking you to write it down... Uh, simply because during those times of intense suffering, when your mind is not thinking clearly, you won't have to try and think of an appropriate text from the Scriptures to read. You can just open to the front of your Bible, and there it is. uh, For when I am suffering, Psalm 42. Some people try to say that Psalm 42 is written by King David, and they try to figure out what period of life... Um, the period of li- uh, life David was in when he wrote the psalm. But there's no indication that David wrote Psalm 42. The heading simply reads, For the director of music, a skill of the sons of Korah. A masculine likely refers to the musical tune or to some note uh, to help them sing uh, the psalm rather than referring to the author of the psalm. So, 40, so Psalm 42 is anonymously written, in my opinion. And I think God, in His wisdom, let this psalm's author be unknown to us uh, because instead of centering this psalm on David's struggles, we can easily center this psalm on our own struggles on, and on our own sufferings. This is, um, I am trying to say, a one cent, a one-size-fits-all psalm for any downcast soul. There are many time, I'm sorry, there are many different causes for suffering, many different types of suffering. but the experience of the psalmist' suffering here in Psalm 42 is wide enough to embrace all of us. In our assorted afflictions. And these afflictions, after time, induce our soul, or can induce our soul, to become downcast within us. There are several different causes for a downcast soul. It may be helpful for me to go over some of these uh, things that typically send our soul in a a downcast um, direction. Oftentimes, physical pain over a prolonged period of time will induce a soul to become downcast. Going to bed with pain. Having a fitful night's sleep because of the pain. Waking up first thing in the morning uh, with pain. Day after day, month after month can be disheartening. It can lead to a disheartened soul. Charles Spurgeon, uh, whom I am fond of reading, I'm also fond of quoting him in my sermons, was one of the truly great preachers of all time. And this great man was subject to spiritual depression. His soul uh, was typically in a downcast mode. Uh, And there are two reasons his biographers give... um, for his downcast condition. The first was physical pain. He suffered from severe gout. Gout is intense pain in the joints. Most often the pain is in the feet, in one of the large toes. But it may include the knees, the elbows, the wrists, the fingers. And the pain usually lasts from a few days to a few weeks. Spurgeon, lived in the 1800s, before many of the uh, anti-inflammatory medicines had been invented. He had severe gout throughout his body. The, the gout eventually killed him. Intense emotional pain can also induce a soul to become downcast. You lose a spouse that is your soulmate. Uh, you have an unbelieving relative, maybe a child or a parent, whatever it may be. It brings you intense emotional pain, and that, that emotional pain can, can lead your soul to become downcast. The prophet Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. Everything in his ministry... Uh, was a cause for weeping, God called him specifically into the ministry to prophesy jerusalem 's destruction and also to condemn the Jews for their ongoing and and uh, great idolatry to condemn the the uh, the Jewish priest for their greediness and the way that they would take advantage of the poor He also was called to Uh, rebuke the false prophets. And so all these things made Jeremiah very unpopular. Several plots were hatched uh, to kill him. Even his own kinfolk were plotting to put him to death. And although God saved him from every plot, the emotional pain in Jeremiah's life washed over him daily. Washed over him like a raging river. And so in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 1 through 20, and you don't need to turn there, but I want to read it to you because I think it's very instructive how this godly man, this faithful prophet, how his soul could become downcast. He says in in Lamentations chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. This is a little longer passage, but... um, I think it's, it's helpful. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with a bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call, call out or cry for help, He shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding. He dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. I say my splendor is gone, and that I had and all that I had hoped from the Lord. He says it's all gone. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. That man had a downcast soul. But it's also helpful to remember that within five short verses, he remembers the God's faithfulness. And he says, great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness or your mercies are new every morning. And so we have that verse uh, from which uh, great is thy faithfulness is entitled and based upon. After this, uh, this long recounting of all the hardship that God had brought upon him. This long recounting of how his soul was downcast within him. A person's um, temperament or uh, disposition might lead someone to have a downcast soul. There are those who are particularly prone to having a downcast soul. Those who are more prone to having a downcast soul than others. It does not mean that a person who struggles with depression more than others is any worse than others. In fact, if I had the time this morning, I could make a good case for saying that quite often the people who stand out most in church history uh, for, um, for being victorious in their proclamation of the gospel and seeing people come to Christ, these people often struggled with depression or melancholy, as it was called in previous centuries. And so a person's disposition simply might lead them to be more inclined to have a downcast soul. And still another cause of having a downcast soul is Satan. We should never overlook him. He is, after all, as Peter says, our adversary. He will try to use our physical condition. He will try to use our emotional pain. He will even try to use our disposition to gain a foothold and drive our souls downward. When struggling with a downcast soul, we must always bear in mind that Satan is real, that he is active, as Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6 when he teaches us about spiritual warfare. He says, don't overlook the schemes of the evil one. The last cause for a downcast soul that I'm going to mention this morning is sin and unbelief. As I always taught my children uh, as they were growing up, sin brings sadness. The psalmist appears to be struggling with some measure of unbelief. His spiritual depression doesn't appear to be caused by sin. But once his soul has become downcast, he has a difficult time keeping his trust and his faith in God, so what he does in verses um, verse five and then verse eleven, he begins preaching to his soul. So look at verse five, "Why are you down or why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God." And again, verse eleven, the same thing. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. I think it's important that the psalmist is preaching to his soul. When our soul becomes downcast, it's easy to forget some of the most basic and most precious of God's promises. Additionally, when we're in a downcast state of soul we're especially susceptible to believe a lie. For instance, in verses 9 and 10, the psalmist cries out, saying, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of my enemy. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? So when spiritual depression seems in, God can seem distant and out of touch with us. It can feel as if God has, as the psalmist says here in verse 9, that God has forgotten us. In these times, we must remember that suffering is a typical experience for Christians. There's an error that Christians are prone to believe that says that good Christians do not suffer hardship And should not ever have a downcast soul. But the Bible teaches that Christians will suffer hardship. The Bible teaches that God is a sovereign God. And He, as we just read from Jeremiah a few moments ago, He will send trials into our life in order that we might serve Him. He might send trials into our life to help us uh, grow in our faith and our trust. Tim Keller says, Difficulties take away earthly comforts. And then, through prayer and reflection on the Word, we are driven closer to God to get His unique consolations. The process is long and in many parts painful, but the fruit is a spiritual poise that no trouble can dislodge. God does not wait for us at the other end of our sufferings so that He can cheer us when we get through them. Rather, God walks with us right through our trials, right through our troubles, right through our sufferings, right even through our depressions. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And the psalmist had to remind himself of this fact. Look at verses 6 through 8. He says in verse 6, my soul is cast down within me. And he doesn't stop there. He doesn't wallow in his depression. He says, Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and of Mount Myser. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And so his soul is presently in a downcast state. Therefore, he reminded himself to remember God. And verse 7 is this is an intense picture of suffering. I don't know what it means when it says deep calls to deep. We sang earlier in the service, the deep, deep love of Jesus. I think this is the opposite of that. I think the deep calling to deep is not a picture of a field of daisies. In fact, what I think is happening here in uh, the psalm is the psalmist, it appears to him that the river depths are calling to the ocean depths to send all the raging waters of destruction toward the psalmist. Therefore, he says, as the deep calls to the deep, it it seems as if the deep are sending the roar of waterfalls washing over him, and the breaking waves are sweeping over him. It appears that there is a dreadful conspiracy of hardship and woe that are rushing upon him. The waterfalls are just falling continually upon him. Wave after wave of woe and destruction and suffering are beating against him. Just as the waterfalls and waves never stop. So his sufferings are incessant and overwhelming. Verse 8, therefore, is vital for the psalmist. Um, To remember when he is going through such circumstances. Verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is within me. I prayed to the God of my life. Remembering, Remembering that God loves us. We might think that we can't hang on. But remembering that God loves us, that His love is hanging on to us. That neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither height nor depth, width or breadth, nothing under all creation is able to separate us from the safety belt, we could say, of the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter how much we struggle, no matter how hard things get, God loves us. Therefore, we can hope in God. God loves us regardless. If the sun is shining and the birds are singing, God loves us regardless of whether the darkness of nighttime has enveloped us. God loves us regardless of the hour, regardless of the circumstances. By day, the Lord commands His steadfast love, and at night, His song is with me. When experiencing a downcast condition, it's tempting to withdraw from God and His people. In other words, it's tempting to withdraw from attending worship. Have you ever done that before? Life is so difficult, I'm not going to church today. Life is not so difficult, I'm not getting out of bed today. That's the worst decision a person can make. Look at uh, verses one through four. The psalmist, in his suffering, longs for God. He says, "Well, he says he pants for God as a deer pants for flowing streams. He longs to go to the public. <coughs> Excuse me. He goes. He longs to go to public worship where he can meet with God." He remembered with great fondness going into the house of God with the shouts of joy and praise among the festive congregation. He was not content to worship God in the privacy of his house. He needed the encouragement of other believers to help his soul worship God as he desired to do. So verses 1 through 4, As a deer pants for flowing streams, So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When I come... See, he's not staying where he is. But when when shall I come and appear before God? He's on the move, going to the place of worship. My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul." How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and multitude-keeping festival. Apparently, for whatever reason, the psalmist was unable to attend worship. Therefore, his soul was distressed. He likened his desire to worship God among God's people as a deer panting for water. His soul thirsted for God, the living God. You know, when you're hard at work, when your mind's actively engaged, or when you're greatly enjoying yourself, you might not realize how hungry you are. But when you're thirsty, you feel like, I must have a drink or I'm going to die. The, the sensation of thirst doesn't just go away. We're not able to get distracted from the sensation of thirst. It's, it's never satisfied. Or, um, the sensation of never, of thirst is, never goes away until it is satisfied. The psalmist had an insatiable, ravenous thirst for God. The good news is that when you are longing after God, when you are pining after Him to have His presence, your prayer will not go unanswered. God loves His children. He loves to fulfill His promises to His children. He loves to fill us with the joy of His presence. He loves to fill us with the joy of His presence while we are worshiping Him among the congregation of His children. So, when you are suffering, go to God. Pant after Him. Pine after Him. Thirst after Him. And above all, above all, don't rely on your own resources to climb out of the depths of your downcast state. Seeing a doctor might help. Getting some medicine might help. Slowing down the pace of life might help. But there is no substitute for fellowship with your God. There is no other solid foundation for comfort for our souls, if we rely on ourselves, we're fickle. Rely on your God. Seek after Him. I've jumped all over this psalm and have given you an overview of the chief causes for a downcast soul. I've also given you a few words of encouragement while going through that uh, while going through intense trials. The most important admonition that I've given you is to go to God be satisfied with nothing less than Him, pant, pine, and thirst after Him. But I want to end this sermon with a few practical suggestions that we can learn from the psalmist's example. First, do not lie down and commiserate in your misery. The psalmist, even though his soul was downcast, he didn't give up. go forward even when you feel like don't even when you feel sorry go forward even when you do not feel like going forward pursue god dwell on his promises redouble your prayer life god i don't feel like praying today my soul is downcast therefore i'm going to pray for 30 minutes instead of 15 i'm going to pray for an hour instead of 30 minutes Attend worship and fellowship with God's people even when you don't feel like getting out of bed. More importantly than that, you should talk to your soul. Look at verse 11. He says, he's talking to his soul here. He, he asks his soul, why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him My salvation and my God. He questions his soul. Why are you downcast? Why are you in turmoil? And he speaks to his soul. And he says to his soul. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him. My salvation and my God. So he's talking to himself. He's addressing his downcast soul. He is talking to his downcast soul. Rather than letting his downcast soul talk to him. When we are suffering spiritual depression, we make the mistake of listening to our flesh oftentimes. And there's a lot of unhappiness that comes from listening to yourself instead of speaking to yourself about God's love and His goodness and His promises. When we listen to ourselves, instead of speaking to ourselves... We hear a lot about yesterday's problems. We hear a lot about today's hardships. We hear an awful lot about tomorrow's fears. Listening to ourselves, talk to ourselves, has a soul-crushing, depressing effect upon us. But speaking to your soul about, um, about God and about His great love for you, has an uplifting effect on your whole outlook on life. And so say to your soul, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God, even when you are at the depths of your depression. Finally, remember that you are never walking the downcast road alone. Our Lord Jesus knows what you are going through. He is not aloof from us. It might surprise you to know that our Lord Jesus walked down the same downcast road that we as Christians walk down. I believe our Lord Jesus prayed this psalm in the same way I am urging you to pray it. He was, after all, the suffering servant. He lived his whole life being hated simply because he was sinless. He was mocked by the elite simply because he loved the outcast. His miracles were rejected because they accused him of being demon-possessed. His ministry was refused because he preached grace. Even his own disciples deserted him at his most needful hour. His anguish was such that he sweated blood as he cried out, Not my will, but your will be done. And on the cross he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he became a sin offering in our stead. He went to that awful cross. He endured unspeakable suffering that he might be the sure anchor for our soul. While we are in the midst of the storms of life, when deep calls to deep, when the raging waters conspire to take us under and drown us in sorrow, He will keep you. He is keeping you at this moment, regardless of what's going on in your life. So lash yourself to Him by faith, hang on to Him knowing that He is hanging on to you as we pray together. Almighty God, we thank You for Psalm 42. Sometimes it's difficult for us to to thank You for the experience of Psalm 42, but all of us who love the Lord Jesus have walked down this path. But we walk down this path knowing that, that by day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. Lord, I pray for any steadfast or downcast soul that is here this morning that belongs to you. Encourage them, Lord, with this message of hope and grace. Come alongside them and know that they are not walking this path alone, that our Lord Jesus has gone before us. Lord, I pray for any who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, who are living in rebellion to Him. This psalm is not for them. They have no hope in God. They have no assurance that the Lord commands His steadfast love in the day and His, his song is never with them. God, bring them to Yourself. Bring them to uh, our Lord Jesus and His great love for sinners. I pray these things in his name. Amen.
1: Please take your bulletin. In the back of the bulletin, you'll find the words, some of the words to Psalm 42. We're going to have an opportunity to sing this psalm. Let's stand as we sing the tune you know. Jesus, the very thought of you, you'll recognize it when Bonnie plays it on the piano. A fainting heart to water brooks to flee, so pants my longing soul, O God, that I may come to Thee. My soul for God, the living God, is thirsting. Shed Oh
0: And again, everyone is invited to join us for a meal um, over in the fellowship hall. If you didn't bring anything, come anyway. I look out, I see some of the ladies who uh, would normally be here. I'm sure they're over in the fellowship hall making sure that there's an abundance of food. Please receive God's benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all today today.